What a fitting hymn to prepare us for this glorious old 100th Psalm 100. I make no apologies for reading this whole chapter again. Psalm 100, verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. And our text for this morning, four, do all these things in the light of verse five. Four, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. For the Lord is good. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Oh, Lord, how I pray that you would help us this morning. That you might allow your Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us in these most blessed truths. Lord, that we might learn to praise thee aright. Lord, I pray that you would hear our pleas and our prayers this morning. And I pray, even as I preach the Word of God, that our hearts as your chosen people, as the sheep of your pasture, would be lifted up into those gates with thanksgiving and into those courts with praise. May we, throughout this sermon and throughout every day, ever be thankful unto you to bless your name for your good. Your mercy is everlasting and your truth endureth unto all generations. Bless now, we pray, for we ask these things in and for the honor and glory of Christ alone. Amen. amen. And amen. Beloved, never has a passage of Scripture so overwhelmed and inspired me in the way that this 100th Psalm has since we began searching out its truths. There was a moment, actually a few moments this past week as I was contemplating on this entire psalm and ending it out with verse 5 that I uh, almost lost myself. And I believe if someone was present in my truck, they would think that I'd been drinking too much. For my heart was overjoyed in contemplating on how good and merciful God is. And that this psalm, regardless of where God's people might find themselves in this world, whether we're facing great persecution or perils or afflictions or troubles or sorrows, regardless of where we as God's people find ourselves, this 100th psalm, if it really truly has embraced and inspired our hearts, lifts us above all such things. And puts us in the presence of God where everything is good. Because He is good. 
Many believe this last verse and its divine truths to be the finale of this most glorious song, the ending. Yet, beloved, in reality, it is of itself the very beginning and essence of all things declared in this entire psalm. The beginning and the essence of everything declared in this entire psalm. For from here, the praise and thanksgiving of God reaches up to the highest heavens, only to rebound back to earth in a never-ending circle of endless praise and thanksgiving to God. Like in that hymn and psalm we just sang, where the saints on earth lift up their praise to the saints in heaven, and it echoes back down to earth. And it's a never-ending cycle of praise and thanksgiving to our God. In heaven and upon earth, God is being thanked and praised for His goodness, His mercy, and His goodness. It is the excellencies and perfections of God in this fifth verse which sovereignly demands all the lands to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Verse 1. It is this same divine excellencies that makes the servant's heart glad as he comes before his God with singing in verse 2. Why? Because the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generation. That gladdens His heart and makes Him come before the God's presence with singing. It is the voice of thanksgiving by which He enters into His gates and is the very inspiration of His praise unto God as He enters into His courts. It is the very wellspring of his being thankful unto his God and that which incites his heart to bless his name. All from verse 5. It's not the finale. It's the very beginning and essence of everything in this psalm. Inspiring us every verse to lift up our praise unto God and worship Him and thank Him. For the Lord is good. For... The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. That's what inspires us as God's people. When we come before His presence with singing and thankfulness and praise. I've come to believe after studying this psalm and my own heart and my own experience, I've come to believe that what we truly know about God is not merely revealed in what we say or what we profess to know about God. But listen to me. But more so, I believe, in our worship. We can say a lot. We can profess to know a lot about God. The question of it is, how does that knowledge we profess to have about God How does that knowledge we profess to know about God and His Word, how does that influence our worship? To me, that's the touchstone of how much we truly know of God. Did you listen to the Psalms as we sang them? They were from deep down experiences with God and who He was and how God dealt with the writer, the psalmist. He spoke from the inward parts of His heart 
concerning the things God has revealed unto him about himself. That's what worship is. It's not merely singing a bunch of words. It's not merely professing to know some things about God. It's when our hearts and our minds are so inspired by the person and excellencies of God that our praises are lifted up before God. And that not so much what men may see or hear as we worship, but what moves, motivates, and inspires our hearts and minds in our worshiping of God in spirit and truth. What motivates you? What inspires you? What incites you to worship God? When we sing those praises in the morning and we sing those psalms, what incites you? What inspires you? For many, they're merely words on a page. Repetitious for many. Yet do we really truly think about what we're saying, what we're singing unto God? All people that on earth do dwell. The psalmist said, Praise ye the Lord in Psalm 111 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord! Exclamation point. Praise ye the Lord! I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. You see how he starts? Follow me. He exhorts everyone to praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Now watch how it fo- what follows. In the assembly gates of the upright and in the congregation courts, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Where? In the assembly. In the congregation. Oh, I'm telling you, the worshiping of God has suffered tragically in this world. Pray that God would renew it, bring it back to its old glories, that we would understand exactly how important it is when we gather together on this appointed day by God to worship God, that we would understand the importance and significance of that for our spiritual happiness and joy and for the glory of God. We don't meet merely that we are comforted, We don't meet merely that we are blessed. We meet because we want to bless God. So those of you who sit quietly at home and see no need, you think of a church, I beg of you to consider what Scripture says. In the assembly, in the congregation, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Not at home with myself, but with the saints of God. It begins with the individual an intimate praise of one and worship of each heart and that holy that we enter into the congregation and into the assembly. And as we lift up our private intimate praises unto God, those tunes just come together in the sight of God and it's most glorifying to God. Praise you the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Beloved, when we sang this morning, Was it your desire to praise Him with your whole heart? With all that you have, every affection, every being that you have, with everything you got to praise God and thank God. Did you listen to what you were singing? Did you let the words sink down into your hearts? Or were you worried about keeping the melody and the tone? Oh, dearly beloved, beware. Be not distracted by Satan nor by your own evil heart from worshiping God. 
Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the issues of life. And out of it we worship God. Help us, dear God, we pray, to understand Psalm 100. There's so many truths in Psalm 100 that we could never in this lifetime ever know fully the depths of each one. And yet, beloved, there's just so much here that can inspire us to worship God in spirit and truth. For the Lord is good. We should be able to stop right there and all go home and fall on our face before God and worship Him merely because He is good. And like I said, there's a lot of other attributes and perfections of God the psalmist could have used. He could have used His sovereignty. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is holy. The Lord is is great. The Lord is merciful. All those things. But he begins with this one expression, this one excellency, this one perfection. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Allow me this morning to briefly describe each one of these excellencies of God, briefly, before we begin to examine each one separately. Let's look at each one briefly. The psalmist said, the Lord is good. Now, when we say something is good, we generally mean it's okay. Was that food okay? It was good. We don't, if it was really good, we'd say it's excellent. It's great. It's fantastic. But when the Bible says God is good, it's the very, he's the very essence of good. Good. By good, this divine perfection is expressed by his love, his pity, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his patience, his long-suffering, his forbearance. It engulfs all of those. When you say the Lord is good, it engulfs all of those. Do we know of His love, of His pity, of His kindness, of His mercy, of His patience, of His long-suffering, of His forbearance? The psalmist is saying, God is all of you. This is the very essence of God. Everything He does is good. This divine perfection is one which encompasses and adorns all other perfections of God. His holiness, His majesty, His his goodness, everything, His mercy, it engulfs all of those things. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Lasting and enduring through all time. Endless and eternal. His mercy. His mercy. Yet not only in regards to time, but everlasting in regards to never ending in His exercising and giving of such a mercy towards all men, especially His own. His mercy never runs out. It never dries up. It never weakens. Never. Not only in regards to eternity, but in His exercising and granting mercy. It never stops. It never stops. Oh, beloved, have you sat down and considered how often the mercy of God has met you alone in your Christian life? The times that you failed and sinned and disobeyed God, and yet the mercy of God was everlasting. 
His mercy is every morning new. Every day, it's everlasting. That's the mercy of God. And His truth, beloved, endureth to all generations, from one generation to the next, without any alteration, without any weakness or compromise. Nothing or no one can oppose it or triumph over it. His truth endureth to all generations. Hold on to that. Listen to that. Nothing or no one can silence it, can destroy it, can corrupt it. No persecution, no enemy, no devil, no principality or power can overturn it. It endureth to all generations. It has endured since the beginning of time and will endure to every generation. Even though the world has tried its best to reject it, demons and evil men to destroy it, time itself to change it, it has and will ever endure to every generation. If that's not a foundation for God's people to stand on, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. For the Lord is good. Let us this morning begin simply with this first one. And it doesn't matter how much I try, I will never be able to reach the depths of what we can learn about the goodness of God. But I hope and pray, I hope and pray this morning that some of you as God's children over the years can bear witness to something, some things that I'm saying this morning about the goodness of God because God is good. He's good. He's good. I, I, Throughout this week, I just kept repeating that into my heart and my mind. And no matter what I met in life, no matter what I met on the job, and there was a few trials confronted me, I just walked away going, but the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And you know how that just simply covers your heart and your mind with peace and contentment. God is good. He's good. God is good. You know how many times God has been good to you and I in our life? Just good. Always. It was the old hymn writer who wrote concerning the wonderful grace of Jesus. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? That's how I feel about the goodness of God. How shall my tongue describe it? How shall my praises begin? You don't know where to begin. You don't know how to describe it. It's eternal. Indescribable. You know... We get caught up so much, not only in the hectics of this life, but even when we have time for God and His Word, sometimes that anticipation, that hectic lifestyle carries over into our spiritual life when we're considering God. We don't take out the time to think and meditate. There's a reason why Psalm 1 talks about meditating day and night. Simply stopping some time, and I encourage you to do that. Sometime throughout the week, the day, but especially the week, take time out to consider one certain aspect of the excellencies of God. Whether it's His goodness, His mercy, His sovereignty, whatever it might be, familiarize yourself with the excellency and perfections of God because I'm telling you, dearly beloved, that is what is going to give us the strength and the hope and the encouragement as we pilgrim through this barren world of sin. And that is what's going to make our worship so uh, God-honoring and glorifying.
I beseech thee, cried Moses. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. In Exodus chapter 33, 34. And he, God, said, I will make all my goodness. Catch that? All my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. All my goodness. The Lord Himself uses this perfection. Moses, you want to see my glory? This is my glory, my goodness. Have you ever considered that? The glory of God is His goodness. He said, I will show you. I'll make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Scripture goes on to say, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. These are all perfections of his goodness. He said, All my goodness, listen to him. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. And no sooner had God begun to pass by him, which was his backside, even the scripture says, it says that Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth. And what? Worshipped. He made haste. He's seen all the goodness of God. Moses made haste. And what? Bowed his head toward the earth. I am nothing. And worshipped God. You want to worship God in a way that's honoring and glorifying to God? Familiarize yourself with His goodness. His long-suffering, His mercy, His kindness, His forbearance. Familiarize yourself with God's goodness. Why do you think the servant's heart is glad in verse 2? And why, what, what makes him or inspires him to come before his, God's presence with singing? For the Lord is good. He's good. Every day when we enter into the house of God, wherever it might be, whatever we to gather together as God's children, the first thing and foremost thing in our mind should be the Lord is good. He's good. What an incentive and motivation to worship God. And yet how much more we who are in Christ... Worship God for His goodness. Listen to me. How much more we, Moses made haste, fell down on the ground and worshiped God. How much more we, who are in Christ, stop for a minute and think about what I'm saying. Work with me. How much more we that are in Christ. Do you know what we have in Christ that Moses was missing? Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It dwelleth in Him. So too in Him, in Christ, we have received the fullness of all God's goodness. You want to see the goodness of God? Look at what we have in Christ. He is literally. He is literally the essence of God's goodness. Christ. 
Should we not make haste and worship God even more vehemently than Moses because of what we have in Christ? Could God expose or reveal unto us any more goodness than in His own Son? Who suffered and died and bled and rose again for our salvation, for our justification? Are we not complete in Christ? You want to see the goodness of God? We see it everywhere in the world, and we'll see that in a few minutes. All the world is filled with His goodness. But oh, for the child of God, we should know something of the goodness of God because we know Christ. We know Christ. In whom dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ is given, or God has given us all things in Christ. Didn't Romans say that? If the Father gave us Christ to be suffered for our sins, shall He not freely give us all things? He will withhold no good thing from them who walk uprightly. No good thing. Why? Because He's good. God is good. <clears throat> in everything, God is good. I, I believe this is, a, this is a biblical, scriptural form of worship which is lacking in many churches and in many hearts of God's people because they don't grasp how good God truly is. He's good. Bad things happen in our life. Tragics happen in our life. Afflictions happen in our life. And we tend to listen to our own voice or that of Satan and begin to accuse God of being unfair and not good. But God is always good. I like again what the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 8. He said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There must be a tasting before there can be a seeing that the Lord is good. What do you mean by that? It's a partaking by experience. It's a personal acquaintance before one can have a clear perception of something. In other words, you taste something. You can look at something and say, oh, that looks good, but you don't know how good it is until you taste it. And oh, I'm, I fear there's a lot of people today sitting in churches who said, you know, the goodness of God sounds good. It looks good, but they've never tasted it. And the psalmist said, oh, you got to taste it. You got you to gotta taste it. Somewhat to the effect of what Christ said in John chapter 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you got to partake of me. You got to partake of me. You want to taste the Lord is good? Taste the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have tasted that the Lord is precious, Peter said, I'm telling you, there's something about intimate and personal about worship. And this is what's missing in most worships today. It's not intimate and personal. It should be. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Begin dwelling on that this past week as I was driving to work, and I think I woke up all the coyotes that were awake in the morning because I was just, I felt like my old self, and I used to shout and run. I couldn't hold it in anymore. I tasted the Lord is good. He's good. The Lord's good. The Lord's so good. Of this goodness, the psalmist in Psalm 33. Listen to me. Of this goodness of the Lord, 
the psalmist said, the earth is full of. Listen to me this morning, both saint and sinner. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. As I was amazed and greatly moved by his goodness to me, I thought about those who see his goodness every day and still have never tasted it. Do you know the Lord is good to everyone, to all men? He's good to you. Even though you're not saved this morning, he's good to you. He's really good to you. His goodness, though he exercises it specifically for his people, his goodness is everywhere to be seen. The psalmist said the earth is full of it. It's full of it. When that sun rose this morning, that was God's goodness shining upon you, saying this is how good I am. When it sets in the evening and the stars become to sh come out to shine, they display God's goodness. Isn't it amazing? I thought about it the other day because every night I take my dog out before we go to bed. and, and I, Like I said before, I like to look up the stars, especially out here in Texas. You see a lot more than the bigger cities and see all those abundant stars. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, in the daytime, those stars are still there. Sure. But because of the sunlight, I can't see them, but they're still there. God hung each and every one of them for man to admire. The trees, the birds, creation, they all speak of the goodness of God. And yet you've never tasted it. It saddens my heart because I'd so much like for you to know the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. For this goodness, all men everywhere are exhorted to praise the Lord. And you know what? <clears throat> According to verse 1, one day everyone will praise God for his goodness. Even though they've never tasted it, they will still praise him for his goodness. That is something that just blows my mind. I believe with all my heart that not only will every Christian have a perfect understanding of God. It'll grow throughout eternity. We'll have a perfect understanding of who God is. I believe even the lost will have a perfect understanding of who God is. And the greatest torment is going to be, but they know it not personally. They never tasted it. They're going to know God was good to me. When I got into that accident, almost got killed, that was the goodness of God. When that happened in my life, that was the goodness of God. When I was growing up and I seen this and this happened to me, that was the goodness of God. And I despised it. And I rejected it. Psalm 107, five times. Five times in Psalm 107. The psalmist says that, oh, that men. He says, all men. Oh, that men. Psalm 107. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. To all men. Five times. 
And so I tell you this morning, I exhort you this morning, in conjunction with the psalmist, oh, that you would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to you. You say, but preacher, they're lost. God doesn't do that. Every day God shows His goodness. The goodness of the Lord which is expressed in His love, His pity, His kindness, His mercy, His patience, His long-suffering, His forbearance is evident everywhere and before all men. Yet what does sinful man do with that goodness? He despises it. Go in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Listen to what Paul says. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing. That's a willful ignorance. That's not a blind ignorance. It's a willful ignorance. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Isn't that amazing? The goodness of God leads you to repentance. How does the goodness of God leads me to repentance? Well, not only in the preaching of the gospel, that's the greatest evidence and manifestation of God's goodness. But take a look around you. See how the world, listen to me, see how the world is full of wickedness and wars, and famine, and hatred. And that in the light of God's holiness, justice, and wrath. And yet God has not yet destroyed the world. That's goodness. That's forbearance. That's long-suffering. Where is God, the world cries? It is because of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering that He allows such things to endure. Listen to me. It's because of His goodness, His long-suffering, and His forbearance that He allows you and I, but especially you as a sinner lost without Christ, to breathe one more breath of air. It's because of His goodness. He has every right as your creator. Like I said, know you that the Lord, He is God. He hath made us and not we ourselves. He has every right as creator to just stop you in your tracks. And He'd be just as just. But His long-suffering, His goodness, and His forbearance waits. How long did it take before God finally brought the flood upon the earth? Peter says, as the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. What's that long-suffering? The goodness. He waited in the days of Noah. 120 years. Do you see where the world's headed? You don't have to be a Christian to see how messed up this world's getting. You see where it's heading? You see what's happening in the world? Chaos everywhere. 
Everybody's afraid. Everybody's trembled. Everybody's unsure. And it's going to get worse. The long-suffering of God, the goodness of God, still waiteth. Man tries to fool himself by forgetting those things and getting lost in his pleasures in the world. Well, I'll just buy this and I'll do this and I'll save for my retirement and I'll do this and that. Some guy asked or told me the other day, he's retired from the military. He said, look here, I've got a retirement card from the military. It goes all the way to 20,000 or 2,058 or something like that. He said, you'll be long dead by then, won't you? I said, you don't have any guarantee that you'll be dead. Oh, we just, we just pile up everything the world can give us. We kind of ignore that. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, especially young people here in the church and even those listening on the Internet. Let me tell you something. You might be yet young, but let me tell you something. Age is coming up very quickly, very quickly. And if the Lord sees fit to linger any longer and you grow older, I guarantee you when you come to the end of life, you're going to ask yourself what is really priority in life. All the good things I accomplished, all the good things I bought, my retirement, my wealth, you're going to find out it means nothing when it comes to departing out of this life. You remember when the disciples came up and they're talking about the parable of the tares and the wheat? They said, Lord, look, somebody sowed tares amongst the wheat. Shall we go and rip them out? I said, no. And listen to this. He said, let them grow together. You know what you are this morning in this midst? If you're without Christ, you're a terror amongst the wheat. God said, let them grow together until I send forth my angel and rip them out. You're growing together amongst the wheat, which is symbol, a picture of God's people. God's goodness and long-suffering is letting you grow together. But one day, that goodness of God must give place to the justice and wrath of God. But not yet. Why? Because you're still breathing. He said, let the sheep and the goat mingle together. Let the five foolish virgins dwell with the five wise. But one day the bridegroom comes. And when he comes, you're not going to be ready. And he'll be shut out forever. What does all that mean? That all means the goodness of God. Are you, are you listening this morning? It's all the goodness of God. Every second Every breath you breathe, every heartbeat is God's goodness to you. God is good, even in sparing the lost for a time. But, like in our text, verse 4, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thine hardness and impenent, unrepentive heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. 
What happens every time I despise the goodness of God? You're treasuring up, not riches, but wrath. You're adding one more log to the fire. You're adding one more reason for God to judge you. Every time you despise the goodness of God, your heart gets harder, it gets more impotent, and you're treasuring up wrath every single time. I cannot of myself convince you of the goodness of God. I cannot. I have not the words nor the power. And oh, how I have pleaded with God all week. God, I cannot convince a sinner of their need of thee. I cannot convince them of your goodness. That's something that only God, the Holy Spirit, can do. And it is my prayer that he would, through the preaching of his word this morning and through your sitting amongst the wheats and the sheep and the five wise virgins, that you would understand and realize the goodness of God is why you're here this morning. He's allowing you to grow together. But one day, if you continue to despise that goodness, you will reap the treasures you have gathered up. And you will know, certainly, without a doubt, that God was good. I believe with all my heart there's not going to be one person in hell that will be able to say, like many in prison today, but I'm innocent. I believe they're going to have a perfect understanding just like the saints of God, and they're going to know. I've seen the goodness of God every day of my life. I've seen it. When I rose and the birds were singing on that spring morning and the leaves were beginning to grow green and the flowers and grass began to grow, it was God's goodness showing that. When I went out at night to feed the animals or when I went out at nighttime in the backyard or wherever and I seen the stars, that was God's goodness showing me that He's good. He's forbearing and long-suffering. That was God's goodness. They're going to have a perfect awareness that God was good to them their entire life and they despised it. Yet for the child of God, though in eternity we shall fully know the fullness of God's goodness. Get acquainted with it now because it's unquenchable. You can't find the depths of his goodness. It's everywhere. Acquaint now yourself with him. Be at peace. For the Lord is good. He is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for reminding your children, your people, the sheep of your pasture, that you are abundantly good. Too often, dear God, we don't take the time out as your people to sit down and meditate upon the blessed truths of God and your perfections. Yet, Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this ever hectic world. Help us, Lord God, to take time out to close our hearts and our minds to the world and everything in it and spend time with you. Even in prayer, Lord, you encouraged us when we prayed to our Father in heaven, you encouraged us to enter into our closets and close the door. 
shut ourselves out to everything that troubles us in the world, all the problems. And help us, Lord God, just to concentrate on the things of eternity, on the things of God. For, Lord, then shall we come out of that closet with hearts renewed, and we'll learn to praise Thee with our whole heart, and that in the assembly and in the congregation. Oh, Father, I pray for those who know not the goodness of God in Christ yet. I pray that, Lord, you convict them this morning and throughout the next coming days and weeks. I pray you give them no rest. I pray you give them no sleep. I pray the conviction would grow to where, Lord, they finally realize that your goodness is leading them to repentance. Lord, I pray you'd be honored and glorified in all that's said and done, for we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Brother, before we close out, let's go ahead and sing.